We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on uh, another week uh, into spring football. A lot of pro days going on and a lot of uh, exciting uh, action going on in the college football world. Some <clears throat> interesting things to talk about today. I'll have my Coach's Corner segment. I'm going to dive into... Uh, Jeff Tedford coming back to Fresno State. Then I'm going to briefly talk about Clay Helton at Georgia Southern. Um, I've already had a in-depth discussion about his hire when it previously happened, but I want to talk a little bit about that as well in that segment. Um, talk a little bit about uh, UConn's Pro Day tomorrow. And I, I, I'm really intrigued by the quarterback battle that's going to ensue in not only in spring ball, which started today, but in in camp over the summer when that hits. I also want to talk about uh, some uh, one particular transfer that I'm really, really excited to see this year. Then I want to give a little bit of draft insight and talk to you guys about a couple of things uh, from that from that side of things. But first, I I gotta start the show talking about. Tennessee, um, Tennessee football, which is not something that we've been talking a ton about, <clears throat> especially in the last 10, 15 years. But yesterday, Tennessee just making the splash of all splashes, landing five-star quarterback Nico Lamaleva from Long Beach Poly in California. He's class of 23, so he's still got another year left. He's the number three QB in uh, for uh, that twenty four seven has ranked. He's the number three guy. He's a six five hundred ninety five pound quarterback. He's a talented, talented kid. I've watched his watched his film. Uh, I've watched some tape on him. The kid, the kid can play some football. <clears throat> he can sling it. But for for a while now, he's kind of been crystal balled to Oregon, which. Being from Long Beach, California, and that Long Beach Poly uh, connection that they have to Oregon and the the Southern California schools as well, obviously, but uh, kind of out of nowhere, just a lot of the research I was trying to do um, the past couple days, but it, it just seemed like Tennessee came out of nowhere to land this kid, and, and it got you scratching your head wondering, well, how the heck did this happen? Like. Tennessee hasn't been like they had a pretty good year last year and Hendon Hooker in is a dark horse Heisman candidate this year they could make some noise in the SEC East this year we'll wait and see on that but but still nonetheless for them to land a five-star quarterback for the first time in tw over 20 years is is surprising so then some more stuff comes out yesterday with all this 
<clears throat> and I'm sure everybody's heard it by now, but this young man got an $8 million NIL deal. Over $8 million. So, <clears throat> it, it, so many things come into my head, qu questioning things when it comes to that. Now, this whole name, image, and likeness topic, and <clears throat> with the NCAA, the, you're not supposed to be getting deals before you're on campus and, and, and the like. But, but I think we all know what's transpiring. We've all heard <clears throat> the rumors with Texas A&M, and we know <clears throat> other things are going to be going on. But for a young man to get an eight, over $8 million deal from uh, Flying J, the trucking truck stops, <clears throat> is just mind-blowing. Um, and, it, and it got me thinking, like, this man is, this young man is still a junior in high school, going to be a senior next year. So when you were 16, 17 years old, if somebody gave you $8 million, like, what would you have done? I, I, me personally, I wouldn't have known what to do at all because uh, <clears throat> I grew up with nothing. So then you hand me all that, like, just... You hand any young person that type of money, and it's going to go in a million different directions. Um, <clears throat> which leads to a side note for me personally. Uh, and financial literacy needs to be taught uh, at the high school level to everyone. But these young athletes that are going into this world now with this, th this needs to be a huge thing that's going on for these big time high school recruits. We need to have people in their corner that are helping them from this end, that are preparing them for this. They need that financial literacy. And I just saw the state of Florida pass today that you need to, to graduate from high school, you need to pass a financial literacy class, which I think is a step in the right direction. That's great. And that should happen. But what what needs to be done for these athletes, especially this young man getting this type of money, right? Just for this, I mean, you they have to do something to help these kids, and and it starts with financial literacy and teaching them the right things and and what to do. Um, I think that's a huge deal. Who to listen to? I mean. There's going to be so many people now, I'm sure, coming out of the uh, the woodworks for this young man. And you just hope that he has the right people talking to him. You hope that he's listening to the right people. Um, but I digress with that. So, and the, the other thing with this, another topic that comes up with this, is the legality with the NCAA with this. Now, I know the NCAA in their bylaws and rules and whatnot, they can say whatever they want and make rules for whatever they want. And they can say it's illegal and blah, 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 blah. But money talks. And if these schools are going to continue to do these type of things, it, they're going to get away with it because if they don't, the NCAA will cease to exist because these big time schools can just go make their own thing. And then it be, basically becomes a feeder system to the NFL, which I think... That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but I've long had that discussion with with uh, one of my best friends um, about that very thing, about how 
the SEC and other power fives alike could form just form their own thing and just become a feeder system to the NFL, basically. But that's a whole nother thing. <clears throat> the, another thing that comes to mind off of this, going well, going back to the NCA, the NCA has to figure out how to police this, and I don't think there's a way for them to police it. So they, I mean, you almost just, I mean, as sad as it is to say this, you almost just got to let it go. And because you've opened Pandora's box with this, and and the, the sky's the limit now on what's going to happen. Is this now going to be the barometer for every elite quarterback that comes out of high school? This young man's the number three player in his class according to 24-7 recruiting. If he's number three, what do number one and number two get? I mean, that's the question that has to be asked there. I mean, it, it, this is turning into – it's going to turn into something that, I mean, we all – we all kind of saw this coming, but we I don't know if we thought it would happen so quickly. Um, then the other thing that comes up to, in, to me is he's getting over $8 million to go to Tennessee just in this NIL deal. They're, they're, obviously, he'll get more. I'm sure he'll get more. Um, but that over $8 million is more than the entire Tennessee football coaching staff gets. So you're giving this one this one guy more money than your entire coaching staff. Now, what is that going to lead to? Tell me who's in charge then. It, as a former coach myself, albeit basketball, but still, what is Josh Heupel supposed to say to this young man when it comes to crunch time and he make, or anytime he makes a mistake, this young man can just be like, you know what? I don't need to listen to you. I'm the one in charge. Like that's. The, that's what we're setting up here. Now, I'm not saying that the young man's going to do that, but I'm just saying that is the potential that you're opening up here by doing this. You're, you're, you're putting these coaches in a terrible situation because the young man playing quarterback now is making more money than every single coach. It. It's opening, like I said, it's opening Pandora's box, and we're gonna, and it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Um, just, it, it, I, I'm really intrigued to see where this goes from here, and like I know we all are. Just, like I said, is this the now, the barometer that will be placed on every elite quarterback, every elite high school quarterback, and then you go down the line with the other positions. I mean, time will tell, and we'll see how this goes, but it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, next topic I want to talk about, I, I kind of hinted towards this with, there's one in particular transfer that I'm really, really intrigued by staying in the SEC. This is at Alabama, and it's running back Jamar Gibbs. He, at Georgia Tech, I don't know if, how many people saw Georgia Tech play football because Georgia Tech has not been good the past couple years. They lost to NIU this year. I watched that game, and I watched a couple games um, during Gibbs' freshman year as well in the 2020 season. The young man is fantastic, fantastic football player, fantastic running back, and he transferred to Alabama this year. And I, I think this is the biggest transfer in the portal this year. I, I really do. Even more than, like, Caleb Williams going to USC, 
um, and the other quarterbacks. To me, this transfer, it, 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 and we all know Alabama already has the rich stable of running backs, but they get a young man who was ACC freshman of the year, who has done some really good things on a on a bad team. Like he was fantastic on a bad team. So now you surround him with the elite players that are at Alabama and the elite coaching staff at Alabama and Bryce or <clears throat> Bryce Young yesterday was quoted saying that the, now I'm not giving you a whole quote on this, but he said, but basically saying that Gibbs has just been amazing so far and just how great of a player he is. And, and I think if you have somebody like that saying that the, the sky's the limit. And I think Gibbs can come in and do some amazing things. And we've already seen if you're a running back at Alabama and you do amazing things, you have a very, very, very good chance of winning the Heisman Trophy. And I think this young man has set himself up very well for that potential. Um, again, I'm really, really intrigued to see where that ends up and where it goes. But I, I, I just had to discuss that for a second because – the rich get richer at Alabama, and adding an amazing running back in Gibbs. Then they add an amazing wide receiver from Georgia. I mean, just the sky's the limit, as we all know, at the University of Alabama. Uh, now I want to talk a little bit about UConn. Uh, everybody who listens regularly knows I discuss UConn and the Huskies every week on my show uh, through my partnership with Sidelines UConn. And... Uh, <clears throat> Just UConn's pro day. Well, first off, UConn started spring camp, spring ball today. Um, so the Jim Mora era hitting hitting the field today. So gr great to see the videos and stuff all, all online and everything. Excited for the Husky Revolution. Um, but then tomorrow is UConn's pro day. And, of course, all eyes will be on defensive tackle Terrence Jones. And I'm going to get to Terrence Jones later in a little draft synopsis I want to have. But Terrence Jones is an elite defensive tackle, an elite defensive player. And he put that on display at the Senior Bowl, and it was great to see him play tremendously because as UConn, football, UConn fans and followers like myself have seen, this young man is a fantastic football player, and he's going to be a great NFL player. But the one thing I want to talk about right now when it comes to UConn for this segment here is the quarterback uh, battle. And I think a lot of people think it's going to be pretty one-sided with the transfer of Taquan Roberson from Penn State. How, however, I, it's not cl as clear-cut to me as, as everybody thinks. There, there's going to be six guys. Now, somebody could transfer, I mean, but I'm going to give you the six guys First off, Jacob Drana, he's a sophomore. He played a couple snaps against Houston at the end of the year. He He's the he's the low man on the total bowl. I mean, he's just um, – he might even be a walk-on. I'm not exactly sure of that status. But So then you look at uh, returner Steven Krajewski, who played a ton last year. And, and – was decent at times. I mean, obviously, 
had plenty of struggles, but he's definitely on the outside looking in if you ask me. Now the next four guys are the ones I really want to focus on. Um, one being Tyler Puma, who last year in the four or so games he played in looked looked pretty dang good and gave UConn a shot in the arm when they needed it as a football team. This young man had a very severe injury, had, had to have surgery. He's not expected back for the start of the season. So, so that throws a wrench into his situation because I think if he was back and healthy, then you might not go the route of adding to Quan Roberson. But when Tyler Puma's healthy, he is going to be right in the thick of this battle. Once he's healthy and able to get in there and battle for the position, I, this young man has everything it takes to be a a star quarterback. I've, I've said this on the show many times. He is a program-changing level player, in my opinion. Um, he just needs to get healthy. So then, so then it comes down to the three newcomers. Um, and the first one I'll mention, Zion Turner. He is a freshman from St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Comes from an elite high school football program. He's one of the top recruits, high school recruits that UConn has ever got. Um, this man, this young man is coming in with a lot of accolades, run a lot, won a lot of games. His stats were amazing. Picked UConn over some very, very good offers from SEC schools. My favorite, Coastal Carolina. Um, just, just he's going to come in and give those guys everything they can, he everything they want. Um, but it might be in his best interest to redshirt. I, I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not speaking for the coaching staff. I'm just giving my opinions on this, but. I feel like this young man can come in and learn a lot from the guys that are going to be there already. Um, but nonetheless, I think he, if if he doesn't, this young man's going to come right in. And he is going to battle these next two guys I'm going to mention, along with Tyler Puma, for the for the starting chop. Like it is going, he he is going to give them a run for their money. The next guy I'll mention is Kale Milan or Millen, who. Uh, who originally was at Oregon. Mario Cristobal has said some really, really good things about this young man. Um, and then he transferred to Northern Arizona, and now he transferred to UConn. So this young man's going to come in. He's going to battle for the position too. Um, <clears throat> it'll be really, really interesting to see how it pans out there. Um, but this is a guy, like I said, who has gotten a lot of – has had a lot of great things said about him um, by that Oregon coaching staff that he was that he was under and that recruited him. So he comes in with a lot of praise. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then, of course, the guy that people th that everybody's thinking is going to win the job, Taquan Roberson. Taquan Roberson is the highest ranked recruit to ever come to Connecticut, to ever come to UConn. Um, he played in a couple games at Penn State last year um, and, and did the best that he could in the situation that he was given. Now, this young man is definitely the front runner in this race. Um, and he brings a lot to the table as a dual threat guy. Um, 
can do a lot of things that that UConn fans haven't seen from their quarterback in a long time. And I think having Jim Mora there is enticing to him as a player and someone like Zion Turner as well because Jim Mora coached Mike Vick um, when Mike Vick was at an elite level with the Atlanta Falcons. So I think both these young young men see that and say, can he do that with me? And I, I think I think it's a possibility for both of those young men to be able to play to that level. Now, like I said, Roberson is the clear favorite in this race. But I don't want people, I don't want UConn fans and, and everybody just to think that he is going to just be given it. Um, Zion Turner is going to come in and battle as a freshman. Tyler Puma, when he's healthy, is going to battle. Kale Millen is going to battle. Like this is this quarterback competition, even with Krajewski, I mean, this young man's played a ton of games as well. You got five guys who are going to play their butts off to win this starting job. And it is a huge, huge deal to have this competition because it's just going to raise everyone's level. And for Jim Moore and the new staff, that's what you want. And and it's exciting for UConn fans and for someone like me who loves discussing them um, and watching them. It, it, it's awesome to see because that has not been the case for a long, long time to have a competition battle at this level. Um, so let's, let's now jump right into... Uh, <clears throat> the coach's corner segment. I'm first going to talk about uh, and spend most of my time talking about Jeff Tedford. Um, well, before that, I want to want to give a little shout out to UMass. I've I've talked about UMass plenty on this show. Um, they got their highest rate of recruiting class in school history, which to hire Don Brown when they did and to to be as down as they have been is just, it, it's really amazing. And it's awesome to see. And I'm personally excited about it for the UConn-UMass rivalry. So first off, I had to throw that in there. Props to UMass and the football program there for, for what they did this offseason and what they added. Um, but yes, yeah, so let's get back into the coaches' corner segment. Let's talk about Jed, Jeff Tedford returning to Fresno State. Um, <clears throat> Jeff Tedford has an extensive line of experience coaching um, all on the West Coast of college football. He's coached, um, obviously he's coached in the NFL. He was a head coach in the Canadian Football League. I mean, this is, this, this is a guy who's been there and done that as a coach. He played in the CFL as a, as a football player as well. But uh, obviously, he had a ton of success at Cal. Two-time Pac-10 Coach of the Year. Um, he was Mountain West coach, coach of the Year as well. I mean, this. I mean, he's been there and done that. He's won a lot of games. He was at Fresno State from 2017 to 2019, and then they bring him back this year. So, um, 
Fresno State fans should be really excited. You're getting a guy who's won a ton of games, and he's won at Fresno State. I mean, he's a Fresno State alum, um, so just an amazing opportunity there for him. Um, Like I said, we we all know about his time at Cal. He coached Aaron Rodgers. He's he's coached uh, coached a lot of good players. Let's let's just just call it what it is. But let's look at Fresno State. Last year, ten and three, um, six and two in the conference. They were in the running for a conference championship appearance, conference championship game appearance the whole year. Um, they opened up the year by destroying UConn. Um, then they turned around that very next week. They lost at Oregon by seven, but they were up in that game. Like it, that game was a battle, and uh, Jake Hayner played his butt off at quarterback. Um, turn around, beat Cal Poly. Then they won at number thirteen UCLA. So they beat a top fifteen team, um, beat UNLV. Then they lost at Hawaii by three, won at Wyoming, beat Nevada. They won at San Diego State. They did get beat pretty good by Boise State, but then they finished the year beating New Mexico, Fresno State, handily in both those games. And then in the New Mexico Bowl, they beat a good UTEP team. That and I watched. I remember watching that whole game. That was a very good football game. <clears throat> Two good teams there. <clears throat> but I think the thing that has to be mentioned um, for Fresno State is the fact that they're returning quarterback Jake Hayner, who entered the transfer portal, decided to come back um, once Jed Te- Tedford was announced as the head coach, and along with Jalen Cropper, the wide receiver. I mean, getting those two guys back is a huge, huge, um, huge thing. Um, it, it's going to put them as a front runner in the Mountain West. Um, then they return a lot defensively as well. Um, so this is a team that's set up really, really well heading into next year. And looking at their schedule for next year, they, they open up against Cal Poly, then they host Oregon State. Um, Oregon State... Went to a bowl game last year. They fared better than I think most of us thought that they would. But uh, uh, Oregon State's in the running for JT Daniels. If they get, if they add him, I think that changes things for them. But, I mean, you're looking at this. They could start the season 2-0, and one of those wins coming against a Pac-12 team. Then they turn around and they go to USC. Then they're going to go to UConn. Then to Boise State. Then they get San Jose State at New Mexico, hosts San Diego State, host Hawaii. They go to UNLV, to Nevada, to Nevada. Then they host Wyoming. So you you look you look at their schedule, and I think if they're able to start two and zero, going to USC, I think they can give USC every battle that they could ever want. Obviously, they won at UCLA last year. They almost won at Oregon. So Oregon State and USC should should be ready. And then I think they're, they're going to be ready to return the favor to Boise State this year for how that game went last year. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how it pans out there. But this is, this is a team that is, like I've said, is set up really, really well um, to do tremendously in the Mountain West. 
Then you look at the recruiting class. They got 19 commitments, uh, finished third in the Mountain West, um, which is they finished fourth the year before, so they did better. Um, obviously, they're going to have a ton of California guys, sprinkle in some Washington and Arizona. Um, but it, it's going to be re- West Coast guys. There's going to be some Juco guys in there. Um, but you know they're going to have speed and talented guys like that's that's the mountain west um but the, the transfers that they added uh, offensive lineman from michigan state um, ed rusher from stanford a linebacker from utah linebacker from usc a corner from hawaii and then a wide receiver from cal so you always know that in at fresno state you, you there's there's the pedigree of success that Fresno State has had um, over over the years, over multiple coaches. Um, so you know that they're they're going to get guys. Um, they're going to get transfers from Pac-12 schools and and the like. Um, Cali guys returning home or whatever it may be. Um, but th- this is a this is a program that is that is set up really well if you ask me um, I, th- I think that I think that they can do some pretty amazing things this year I mean obviously having Jake Hayner there um, is really really going to change things and and uh, set them up really well um, obviously I'm not going to Utah State returns a lot in the Mountain West, but I mean, you look at they're in the Mountain Division, whereas Fresno State's in the West. Um, I, I feel like that could, on paper, seems to be a very logical uh, Mountain West Championship game, at least right now. I mean, there's a lot to be played out. I'll look into more of my predictions, obviously more more in the off season and stuff, but. I'm well on board with saying right now that Fresno State it has a very legit chance to win the Mountain West Conference, to win the Mountain West West Division, win the Mountain West title, um, and possibly even be in that G5 New Year's Six Bowl game. Like They have that type of potential. Anytime you have a quality uh, upperclassman quarterback with some really talented guys around him, you you obviously have a chance. And their schedule sets up to where they can make that happen too. Because if they're able to beat Oregon State, then if they turn around the next week and win at USC or even put up a really good showing against USC, USC, and then turn around and maybe run the table in the Mountain West – I think it sets up really, really well for them to to make that case for the New York New Year's Six bowl game. So that's where I stand there on Fresno State. Really, really high on them um, for good reason. Um, so now let's turn to uh, another new coach in the cycle, uh, Clay Helton, getting hired at Georgia Southern. Obviously, Clay Helton's coming from USC. I. Uh, spent a ton of time on a previous episode talking about him when he got hired Um, so I'm not going to go too in depth on that but I want to talk about the recruiting class at least that he was able to bring in 
and uh, look at their schedule as well and kind of give you a synopsis of what I feel they're going to do there. Um, But the main thing I want to talk about with Georgia Southern is the fans needing to be patient and realistic. Because I do feel like Clay Helton can win there and do some really good things there. And I feel like he's going to bring in some good players. And we've already seen that in one particular player and what he's been able to do. And I'll get to that. But <clears throat> Georgia Southern's fan base very is a very passionate fan base. And they expect a lot because they've won a lot. Um, at the FCS level, they were one of the most dominant teams that there was. They made the transition to the Sun Belt won the Sun Belt title their very first year. Um, and since then, there's there's been some headaches. Um, but nonetheless, they, they, there's been success, but there's been headaches recently. And um, we've all seen the, the stuff that happened last year. But uh, obviously, that's why there's a new head coach. And they're able to bring in a head coach with a high pedigree, who coached at one of the most prestigious programs in the country at USC. So it's a big deal, but they got to be, the Georgia Southern fan base has to be realistic because this is the most talent deficient team in the Sun Belt when Clay Helton took over. So it's going to take a little bit of time, a couple recruiting cycles to get the upper echelon guys in that they need. But they got one of those guys in running back Terrence Gibbs. Uh, a four-star running back out of Florida. Um, the, the fact that he's ending up at Georgia Southern, it, I know it's so head-scratching to everybody because of the offers that he held and the, the, uh, the crystal ball that was out there. So let me just get go down the list of his offers. Florida, Florida State, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Coastal Carolina, FIU, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, Michigan, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Southern Miss, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M, UAB, UCF, USF, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Western Kentucky, and then interest from Rutgers in South Carolina. So obviously, you you heard the plethora of uh, SEC schools and plethora of blue bloods that I mentioned going down the list. I mean, anytime you have Florida, Florida State, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Miami, Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M, like these are your offers, uh, with many others. Um, this was a young man who was crystal balled to Texas, Florida, like, and ends up going to Su- Georgia Southern. So I-, I think it's safe to say who the starting running back will be for Georgia Southern. Um, but just, just an amazing, amazing get by Clay Helton and his staff to snag him on, uh, on signing day. Um, and then they got a couple quarterbacks coming in uh, that are going to battle for that job. I mean, it, it, the the class that they were able to get, honestly, um, along with some transfers, getting uh, 
a handful of transfers in. Uh, defensive lineman for North Carolina. Getting Kyle Fran Trees, Van Trees, the quarterback from Buffalo, I think is going to be huge because it gives them uh, – He'll he's a grad transfer, so it gives them uh, – Somebody to fill a gap. Then they got two FCS transfers, a cornerback from Elon, a wide receiver from Monmouth, and they got a wide receiver from Houston coming in. So, I mean, they got they got some dudes coming in. They finished their class sixth in the Sun Belt. Um, but the Sun Belt had a fantastic year recruiting-wise. I mean, just the fact of what this conference has done um, nationally. But, like I said, getting Gibbs is just – a next level type get um obviously with clay helton's pedigree i think that helps um but but like i said uh it's going to take a little bit of time so you look at their schedule they open up against morgan state should be able to get a win there then they go to nebraska to uab host ball state so looking at that in my opinion if they're able to be two and two going into sunbelt play that's great if you're able to steal a win steal one of those road games possibly um that'd be great i mean that'd be a fantastic start for them then in conference play they open up at coastal and at georgia state very difficult start because both those teams have a very legit chance to win the Sun Belt east then they get james madison at old dominion south alabama at louisiana marshall and app so, I mean, they're crossover games. They have to go to Louisiana, host South Alabama, two of the better teams in the West. Um, like I said, it's going to take a little bit of time. Be a realistic Southern Eagles fans. But if you're realistic and you give time, I think Clay Helton's going to be able to get it done. He already proved in this recruiting cycle that he can get a big-name guy. And he got that big-name guy, and you know – you know what's you know there's more on the table potentially just given time so that's going to conclude the coach's corner segment um, I, I i love doing that segment i think it's a lot of fun i really really enjoy looking into the coach's background with myself being a former coach and uh looking into the recruiting and what some of these teams have brought in it's pretty amazing um, but I want to conclude the show talking a little bit about the upcoming NFL draft. Um, uh, first, I, I, I'm huge into doing mock drafts. I, every night before I go to sleep, I do like one or two mock drafts uh, for my Detroit Lions. I am a, I'm a diehard Detroit Lions fan, and obviously we have a ton of needs. Uh, but, so I do that every night before I go to sleep. It's just it's something I enjoy uh, just because I know – all the players um, just from watching so many games and doing all my research and everything. But <clears throat> a couple things I want to talk about, like for, for UConn fans, especially here, Terrence Jones with the upcoming UConn pro day tomorrow. And with how he has risen since the, the senior bowl, if Terrence Jones played at Alabama or in the sec or at Ohio State, or you name the Blue Blood Power Program, he would be a surefire first-round pick. It wouldn't even be a question. That's how good he is. But because he went to UConn and was on UConn and with some bad teams, <clears throat> that lowered his stock. 
I think coming into this year, he's projected a fourth, fifth round. Um, obviously, he's well above that. I mean, I think worst case scenario, I thought worst case scenario after the senior bowl, worst case scenario was third round. I was thinking probably second round. But, and I've long thought that he's a first round pick. But now, with how much he has risen, how much people are talking about it, I, I think he could very well go de- day one in the first round, and I think he's going to prove that tomorrow in the pro day. Like I said, if he had on an Alabama jersey, Clemson, you you name it, you name the power school, he would be a surefire first-round pick, and it wouldn't even be a question. His numbers are amazing. Um, then I also want to talk about my sleeper of the draft is – Sky Moore, who has risen rapidly um, because people are finally seeing him. But the wide receiver out of Western Michigan has been, I mean, he was amazing. I mean, his numbers are unreal. He is a blur on the football field. Um, just an amazing, amazing football player. And whoever gets him, hopefully my Detroit Lions, but whoever gets him is gonna, is getting a heck of a football player. But the last thing I want to talk about um, especially with today, Malik Willis. He had his pro day today at Liberty, um, put on an amazing display. Um, I know, I know there's a lot of questions out there, um, with him, some with accuracy. Um, can he control his arm? Cause his arm talent is unbelievable. Um, but that was on full display today. I mean, he made throws today in that pro day. Um, the one going around where he spun and just threw a like a 60 yard bomb um and then he was super super excited and pumped after it which i love you should have fun playing football that's why you play the game first of all it's because it's fun and you enjoy it and you love it and that young man obviously loves it and enjoys it i am going to go out and say this malik willis is going to be the number two pick in the draft now my Detroit Lions have the second pick, and we could use a quarterback. We might not. Um, depends on what this what the front office feels about Jared Goff. Um, I'm kind of indifferent. I trust Brad Holmes in whatever decision he makes. Uh, I have not been able to say that for a GM or a regime that we've had in Detroit now, basically forever. Um, but. I trust them in whatever decision they make. <clears throat> but I'm saying Malik Wills is going to go number two overall. Now, is that going to be Detroit? I don't know. Is it going to be Seattle or Atlanta or Pittsburgh or even Arizona from some of the weird things I've been seeing online? Um, whoever it may be, <clears throat> he is going. he's going to be the number two pick. Even Houston, whoever it may be. He's going to be the number two pick because people are going to be so infatuated with him and what he can do for for the right reasons because, I mean, he he is a fantastic football player, and I, I am sold on him as a football player and as a human being for one, also, more importantly. But that's what I'm saying. He's going to be the number two pick. Now, who will it be? That will play out in the next couple, the next month or so. Again, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, Hope everybody is having a good week. Uh, Hope everybody's enjoying 
uh, the NCAA college basketball tournament. I'm sure your bracket is busted just like mine is. My women's bracket's holding well, but uh, I, I would I would like to say that's because I know most of the coaches and what they do and whatnot. But just from my experience of being a, a women's head coach, but but uh, enjoy the weekend and watching hoops. But more spring football um, coming this weekend. Spring games, a handful of places on Saturday. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Please feel free to follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will on Twitter. Follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Um, always posting new things daily. Um, looking into in the future starting uh, some merchandise. Um, more news to come on that in the future. But again, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.